Each week as we walk through Mark together, we will, we will read together a, a pretty good chunk of Mark. But uh, normally we will not preach on every part of what we read on Sunday morning. Um, this morning, however, it seems that all three of these little vignettes that are, that are in this passage that Paige just read, uh, they fit together somehow. And so as I read and as you read along and, and listen, uh, see if you notice a common theme in each of these three stories that Mark tells about Jesus. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40. And a leper came to him, to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no, no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, and he went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. 
And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving it for us. Thank you for allowing us uh, graciously to see Jesus in these words recorded by Mark as he heard Peter tell the story of Jesus. Father, would you help us to see Jesus this morning as we walk through this story, these stories together, and would you help us to trust him and rest in him? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have never, ever, 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 ever in my life liked to give blood. Uh, I'm a wimp. I can't give blood without being stretched out on a stretcher somewhere. Um, in fact, I, I've come to the point where I don't call it giving blood anymore because I don't give blood. You have to take it from me. I tried to be brave one day, to be a man. I said to myself, come on, man up, sit in the chair like a big boy and take it. And you guessed it. I passed out. So never again will I sit in a chair and let them take blood. I will lie down. Um, there is one situation, however, where I might be willing uh, to gladly give blood. Uh, sometimes they have to take it because of the doctor says so. But there's, there is a time when I would be glad to give it. And that is, if someone I love deeply needs my blood because it would save their life or heal them from sickness, I'd gladly be willing to do that. But I better love you a lot. Um, so that list is short. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, but even if there was a person that I loved a lot and was willing to give my blood to, there could be a situation where I'm not able to give it because it's not going to be what helps them. Perhaps I have the wrong blood type that they need, or perhaps there's uh, some disease or deficiency in my blood that would cause them harm and not help. So there are times when it's possible that even if I was willing, I wouldn't be able to give them my blood. So it seems that the perfect blood donor would be one who is both able and willing to give their blood. And that's what we sang about a little earlier. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, wretched, I should say, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you. Full of pity, joined with power. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. So Mark 
this morning is going to tell us some stories that show us that Jesus is both full of pity, he's willing to save us, to heal us, but he's also pity that's joined with power. He's able. He's able to do it. Um, He wants us to see Jesus as the willing and able donor who loves to heal people. Now, before we go any further, I want to make this clear. Make no mistake, Jesus is willing and able to heal our bodies. Um, these, all of these miracles, all of these healings are actually meant to be signs of what will happen when the kingdom of God fully and finally comes. Uh, even the resurrected body of Jesus is a prototype. Um, it's the prototype that of what waits for all of God's people when the kingdom fully and finally comes. And so these healings that we see are all windows into what awaits us. Um, it is the will of Jesus that one day his people will be healed and will live in resurrected bodies. One day. And sometimes it's his will for that healing to happen now. But what Mark seems to be focusing on is the healing of our hearts. Um, He put these stories together to show us something about Jesus. The healing of the leper and the healing of the paralyzed man are living parables that uh, Jesus is acting out that teach us that Jesus came into the world to save sinners and that he's the only one who's willing and the only one who's able to do it. So far, first, Mark tells us the story um, about Jesus' willingness to cleanse sinners. Mark chapter 1, verse 40, and a leper came to Jesus. When the Bible talks about leprosy in both the Old and New Testament, it, it's referring to a wide variety of skin conditions, not just the leprosy that we know in modern day leprosy called Hansen's disease, um, but All kinds of outward skin conditions are referred to by leprosy in the Bible. But they all have this in common. The leper lived a lonely, miserable, isolated life. Um, Besides the physical pain and ugliness of being a leper, there was the religious and social isolation. In fact, the law in Leviticus says this about a person who has leprosy. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! That seems cruel, but leprosy was so contagious and destructive, they're protecting the rest of the community from the disease. Leviticus says, He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And in the, t- in the time of Mark and Jesus, a leper could live anywhere as long as it was outside the walls of a city. They could even worship in the synagogue, but if they did, they had to have a screen around them so that they were separated from the rest of the congregation. And this is... This leprosy is a perfect picture of what our sin does to us. Sin disfigures us. 
it defaces the image of God in us. It creates an ugliness of soul in us. It, it cuts us off from an enjoying unhindered fellowship with God, with people, and with our place and purpose in the world. We are unclean and outcasts because we are sinners. And in case you doubt whether you are one or not, let me ask you a few diagnostic questions. Is there something you've done that God says you should not do? Is there something you've said to God or to others that God has said you should not say? Is there something you have thought or believed that God has said you should not think or believe? Is there something or someone you have wanted or desired that God has said you should not want or desire? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you've got the disease. You're a sinner, and so am I. Or let's put it another way, other diagnostic questions. Is there something that you have not done that God has said you should do? Is there something that you have not said to God or others that God has said you should say? Is there something that you have not thought or believed that God has said you should think or believe? Have you not wanted or desired all that God has said you should want or desire? If you're like me and you answered yes to any of those questions, you've got it. You're a leper. You're a sinner. Back when I was in grade school, I don't know if they did this, if the kids did this around you, but they used to have that little joke. They'd come up to you and say, <laughs> your epidermis is showing. <laughs> you remember that one? And you'd be like, um, your epidermis, boys and girls, is your skin. So, of course, your epidermis is always showing. That's the joke. But uh, when you're a leper... Your epidermis is showing, and it's also rotting and stinking, and everybody knows it. Everybody looks at you and says, your leprosy's showing. There's no place to hide. There's no way to hide. You're an outcast. Don't be fooled, friends. Your epidermis is showing. We can all see that you have a me-first heart. Don't be fooled, pastor. All of you can see my leprosy is showing. I have a me first heart. There's only one way you can get rid of it. And this leper was willing to bring his uncleanness to Jesus. He came desperate for cleansing. Two, one, he believed could cleanse him. He came boldly. There was no pretense in his coming. He came just as he was. He didn't care what anybody else thought. He came to Jesus, Mark says, imploring him, begging him. On his knees, he came to him and said, if you are willing, make me clean. He came in faith. He was trusting that Jesus could do it if he would do it. He was resting in Jesus as his only hope to be clean from his leprosy. Do you have something you need to bring to Jesus this morning? Do you have some past or present guilt 
or uncleanness that needs to be cleansed by Jesus? Do you trust that he can cleanse you? Are you willing to be bold enough to ask him for it? Because he is willing. Let's look at his willing heart. In verse 41 it says, Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. That phrase, moved with pity, uh, the language uh, there actually, actually means that Jesus was indignant. He was furious. Now, furious at the leper? No. Jesus was moved with indignation, with fury, at the sin that had so ravaged, at the disease that had so ravaged this man and destroyed and was destroying the image of God in him. But at the same time that he was moved with fury toward the disease and the destruction that brokenness has caused in this man, his heart was moved with compassion and pity toward the man himself. What is the look on Jesus' face, do you think, when he sees your sin? When he sees you in the middle of your sin? What's the look on Jesus' face? Is it anger? Yeah. But it's fury at the sin that is destroying you. The look he has for you is compassion and pity. He's willing. He's willing. He says it and he shows it. He stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Mark is careful to give us two pictures of Jesus' willingness here. First of all, Jesus was willing to become unclean so that this man could become clean. In verse 41, it says he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I, I will be clean. Jesus didn't need to touch this man to make him clean. He could have just spoken the word. But out of his compassion, out of his love for this man, he reached out and touched him. But the law says that if you touch an unclean leper, you become unclean. And Jesus risked becoming unclean in order to touch this man's uncleanness. But here's the thing. The cleanness of Jesus is more powerful than the uncleanness of anybody, any leper, any sinner. There is more cleanness in Jesus than there is uncleanness in you. That's how willing he is. He's willing to exchange his cleanness for your uncleanness. And his cleanness will swallow up your uncleanness. The second picture is that Jesus was willing to become an outcast so that this man could be welcomed into the community again. Uh, Jesus told him, don't go telling everybody what had happened because he, he wasn't ready for everybody to know. But the guy didn't obey him. He went out and told the whole world what Jesus had done. And the result of that is that Jesus, Mark said, could no longer openly enter a town, but had to be out in desolate places. Huh, that's where the leper used to live. The leper used to live in the desolate places. 
while Jesus lived in the town. And now the leper can go into town. And Jesus is out in the desolate places. Jesus is willing to become an outcast so that we would be welcome. That's how willing he is because he loves you. And this is what we read earlier that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says, For our sake God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. If you have any doubt that Jesus is willing to forgive any of your sins, he is willing. Doubt no more. Come to him with all of it. He has enough cleanness to cleanse you from all of it, and he will. And so now Mark anticipates that his readers might ask this question. Okay, so Jesus is willing, but why is it Jesus that I must come to? Why is he the one I should go to for cleansing? What's so special about him? And so he tells the story about the paralytic. There are many gathered together. There's no more room, and he's preaching the word, and and they came bringing a paralytic, a paralyzed man, carried by four of his friends. They tear off the roof. They let him down. Imagine that uh, your small group has invited a famous Bible teacher to to come and visit that night, and the place is packed out, and the Bible teacher is teaching, and all of a sudden the ceiling starts falling down on everyone, and lo and behold, Four rude dudes are letting down this guy in a hammock in the middle of your Bible study. They weren't invited, and there he is, right in the middle of the floor. This is, this is the kind of shock that happens. Here's another sick person who's desperate to get to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, Mark said, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Huh? Uh, the paralytic would, if it were me, I'd be like, uh, thank you? Uh, that's not what I'm here for? Um, can you not see my broken body? I've got a bigger problem here. I have more immediate needs, Jesus. We'll get to the sin part later. Can you take care of this? And in doing this, Jesus is essentially saying, look, I see your truest problem. I see your truest need because I see your heart. I will deal with your physical problem later, but first I need to deal with your heart. Your biggest problem, Jesus would say, is your broken relationship with God, not your broken body. Your greatest need is to be forgiven and reconciled to God, not to walk. I can make you walk, but a few, a few weeks from now, your me-first heart will still be a problem. So no, how, no matter how good your life is and how, what kind of shape your body's in, your heart is the one that needs to be healed. Jesus came to renew all things, yes, but he came first to renew people, to renew their, their relationship with the one who makes all things new. Jesus will not be used as your path to what you think the good life is. He will not be used to get the good life that you think you need. 
but he will be glad to be used to give you the good life that he wants to offer you. And that is the life of being reconciled to God. So some of the scribes were sitting there, the theologians, the college professors, sorry for some of them, questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Boom, that's it. That's, that's what Mark and Jesus want us to see. The scribes are right. Only God can forgive sins. They know the scriptures. They know that King David said in Psalm 51, against you and you alone have I sinned, Lord, and done what is evil in your sight. They know that it's against God alone that sins are committed. And they know that later after David confessed the sin that the, Nathan the prophet said to him, the Lord has pardoned your sin. They know that only the Lord can forgive sins. And so here is Jesus, yes, claiming to be that Lord. He's claiming to be the same Lord that forgave King David of his sin. And that's what makes him able to forgive sins. And then to prove his point, Jesus says, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, that he's able to do it. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your, your bed and go home. And he rose immediately and picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like and friends, this, this is a picture of what Jesus will do on the cross and out of the tomb. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to lower your crucified dead body off of a cross and into a tomb and then have the Spirit say to you, rise, which is easier. He did them both. Because Jesus was lowered from the cross into the tomb and was risen and walked out, he is the one who has the authority to say, your sins are forgiven. And for 2,000 years, sinners like us have gathered in places like this, and we have looked at Jesus with awe and wonder and have glorified God saying, We've never seen anything like him. Jesus is willing and able to save sinners. But here's the question. Here's the question for us all. Are we willing and able to admit that we are sinners? When Levi, who we, whom we know as Matthew, was called by Jesus to follow him, Levi was a notorious sinner. He was a tax collector. Tax collectors in that day were typically Jewish men who worked for the Roman government collecting taxes from their fellow Jews. They would collect a little bit more than the Romans were asking for so they could skim off the top and live a comfortable life. You can understand why the Jews hated 
tax collectors. He was a notorious sinner, and Jesus called this notorious sinner to come and be one of his disciples. And the scribes and the Pharisees, of course, when they saw that Jesus was eating at Levi's house with sinners and tax collectors, whispered to his disciples, why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of of a physician, but those who are sick do. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Are you willing and able to admit that you're a leper? That you are hopelessly unclean? Are you willing and able to risk public shame in order to get rid of your actual shame? Are you willing and able to come desperately to Jesus? Are you too proud to beg Jesus for forgiveness? Are you willing and able to admit that you're paralyzed? That you're unable to save or heal yourself? Are you willing to admit your helplessness? Are you willing to let Jesus put his finger on your deepest need? And not use him as a means to something else you want. Are you too proud to beg Jesus to make you walk in newness of life? Are you willing and able to admit that you're a tax collector? That you've lived your life to use other people for your own comfort? Are you willing to leave the old you behind and follow him? And ask him to come into your life and rearrange everything around him instead of you. That's what Jesus is asking these Pharisees. And he's asking us, but are you like the Pharisee? Are you one who cannot see or admit that you're as much in need of a doctor, of a healer, as the sinners and tax collectors are. Am I willing to admit that I'm as much a sinner as any other sinner I know or have heard of, especially the notorious ones? If you tarry till you're better, you'll never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners, Jesus came to call. The Apostle Paul said, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm the poster child. That's the kind of heart Jesus will heal. Do you have it? Our oldest daughter, Abby, who happens to be with us today, um, has been struggling with some, a lot of upper respiratory illnesses for several years. It just seems like after every antibiotic is done, it comes back. It's just continual, continual. And she's gone to all kinds of doctors trying to figure this out, uh, coming up with nothing. 
She was supposed to work at a summer camp this summer that she loves, and she had to give that up this summer so that she could stay home and focus on figuring this thing out. And finally, we found an immunologist here in town that discovered the problem. She has what's called specific antibody deficiency. And yes, that's sad. S-A-D. Um, it's a primary immune disorder. Um, thankfully, there is a cure, and this is, what it, 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 this is what it requires. Every Sunday evening, Abby sits in her dorm room, and she injects four needles into her stomach subcutaneously, so right under her skin. Those four needles are connected to a pump into which she has poured two bottles of medicine, we'll call it, and she pumps that into her system for an hour. And she has to do that for the rest of her life to be well. That stuff that she pumps into herself is made from blood plasma. I thought it was one number, but she just corrected me this morning. It takes between 20 and 50,000 different people's blood plasma to create one dose, one dose of this stuff. And that's why this stuff is worth multiple thousands of dollars per dose. Thank you for insurance. Um, it takes thousands of people to make, it takes the blood plasma of thousands of people to make one dose so that Abby can be well, and it has made her well. If you knew her, you would know, wow, in two, three months' time, the difference is amazing how much better she feels. As we go to this table, I want you to remember that when Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. He's referring back to what the prophets promised about the new covenant. And in Ezekiel 36, God described what he would do through the new covenant that the blood of Jesus seals for us. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Thousands of donors had to be willing and able to give their blood plasma so that my daughter could have one dose that makes her well. But the gospel and this table say this. There is only one donor whose blood can make many billions completely well. And he is Jesus. And he is willing and he is able to make you clean. Are you willing to rest in him as the only one who can forgive you for your sins? Are you willing to admit that you need him because you're a sinner? Father, would you come and would you make us willing to admit 
our need for the cleansing blood of Jesus. By the power of your spirit, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.